podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Today is the first Sunday in Lent, which started last last Wednesday. Ash Wednesday was, was last Wednesday. Some of you participated in our Wednesday Zoom calls where we, we made some space to talk about Lent and the meaning of Ash Wednesday. So Lent is a season of preparation for for Easter. It's a time to reflect, uh, a time to refocus, do some soul soul scrubbing, uh, participate in some spiritual disciplines, and I I really do like the idea of the Lenten uh, season, um, because if if you do it right, you are creating space for Jesus, okay? And I like to frame up Lent in terms of friendship, relationship, friendship. To know and rediscover the the grace and mercy of God. To know that I'm a friend of God. To to, to know that God is my best friend. And any practices that I do over the next couple of weeks, it's so that I can get closer with my best friend. Okay, I, I, I want to grow in this relationship. Now all of us come from different uh, theological backgrounds, traditions. Some of us perhaps grew up in the Catholic Church and uh, we're, we're more aware of what Lent is. And some of us didn't practice it at all. Some of us kind of have this residual tradition. You know, you give something up for Lent. You don't really know where that comes from or why, but it's just kind of like a thing that, that you do. Uh, Lent is this invitation to nurture your relationship with, with Jesus. You're, nurture your faith in Jesus. And perhaps, yes, in order to create space for Jesus, maybe it actually is wise to give something up. So that when, when you're hungry for that thing, whatever that thing is, that can be a trigger to, to turn to Jesus. Perhaps we need to set aside some time to... To do some spiritual habits, to fast and pray. As we are invited into to Lent, the, the beginnings of our new Lenten season, this new cycle, it's, it's happening in a broken world. It's happening in a world that has pandemic fatigue. We're becoming accustomed to lament and, and sorrow and, and grief. We enter into the seasons of uh, the season of Lent with our with our own brokenness and our own hurts and hang-ups to, to lay down. And of course, we enter Lent this year with the war in Ukraine going on right now. And so if you don't mind, I would like to share a couple thoughts on that. As, as a citizen of the, the free world, I certainly might want to respond a certain way to what's happening over in Europe as, as an American, I, I might want to respond and think a certain way. But of course, the, the opportunity here is to reflect and to respond with a Christian posture. And even with the, the circumstances as they are, I, I really do want to be careful to avoid a, a good guy, bad guy type of framework. Right and wrong, good and evil, as hard as that might be sometimes. Like, like, yes, in the current situation, there, there's a clear perpetrator, and there are victims. There's a lot of them. But I want to be careful, because I know myself, 
And I run the risk of demonizing the perpetrators. And it's possible for me to go all the way down the slope to actually just finally getting to the point and saying, you know what, there is no hope for these perpetrators. Just wipe them off the face of the earth. Just destroy, destroy, destroy. They have no redeeming qualities. Wipe them off the earth. And it might be an unpopular thought. Sometimes it's an unpopular thought within my own self. And it just seems like right now, the, the situation that we're in, it's just kind of like a lose-lose situation for absolutely everybody. And that's you know just a, another history lesson. Again, we're seeing it. Hurting people are hurting people. And yes, I, I want it to stop immediately. And, and so as a believer observing these war crimes, the, the humanitarian suffering that is going on, uh, the, the property loss, the destruction, I find myself thinking, what an opportunity to cry out to God. What an opportunity to seek out God in these days, to put my faith in Him. To once again flex that lament muscle, to have sorrow and wrestle through all of these accounts of injustice, violence, bloodshed. Just a complete waste of human life. And so I do encourage you to, um, the, the Ukrainian relief, you know, whatever you can give, it's probably going to be ongoing. To, to, to provide, provide relief to this. I encourage you, please, let's, let's do this. With all that said, today's sermon, as, as we enter into a season of Lent, it is about living with faith, living in faith, especially in times of sorrow and lament. And we're going to be using three main passages today. The first one is in Habakkuk chapter 1, and then we'll bounce to Luke 19, and then finally Matthew 23. And so as we get started today, uh, let, me, let me just ask this question. Have you ever wondered if God is really in control? Do you struggle with the reality of evil? Okay, so we understand like there's things like hunger and poverty in this world. But like there is some deep wickedness out there. Like, like why does God make space for that? And so if you have questions like, like these you and Habakkuk would get along. He would love to have a Zoom call with Habakkuk. <laughs> he lived during uh, the days of, of uh, a long time ago, Habakkuk, he, he lived during the days where the, the world political power was Assyria, but they were actually crumbling, and the Babylonians were, were rising. Okay, So uh, the world political scene was, was changing, superpowers you know, are coming and going, but on the home front, his home country of, of Judah was vibrant with sin. And Habakkuk, he, he really struggled with God's action in history. He wrestled with, with God. And so Habakkuk, he, he shows us a prayer of lament. He says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? 
Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. So this is Habakkuk's read on the situation. So much evil, so much injustice, wrongdoing, destruction, violence, strife, conflict all around. Sounds familiar. Which leads to this summary. Basically, he's saying that the Torah, God's prescribed way of of living, is ineffective. It is numb. It is paralyzed, powerless. Justice seems to be this joke. Wickedness is flourishing. The righteous are outnumbered. And Habakkuk, he is crying out to God, and it just seems like God is absent. Does God take naps? Where are you, God? But here, this church, God is always working. God is always working, and, and often we are so, so uninformed, and we do not get to see the big picture. Now, I want to take a moment and and tell you a personal story. So, growing up, I struggled making really good friends. I I had friends, but like a really, really, really good friends. Like I struggled with that until I get to about ninth grade, and then God answered a prayer request, and I found such a good group of kids. They were, they were Christians, and my self-esteem was high. I was comfortable. You know, it's, you, you let your, your guard down. You just get to be yourself. It was a good pocket of friends. That was ninth grade. The next year, for sophomore and junior year, my parents moved down to North Carolina, right in the middle of my high school career, right? So all of that was ripped away from me. I had to be the new student. I grew up in the same school district the whole, my whole life until 10th grade. All of a sudden, I'm in North Carolina, so I'm dealing with a culture shock. I'm dealing with just everything is brand new, and I had to restart. And you know what? I ended up finding some good friends, and they were actually really cool. They were really cool kids. And so sophomore year and junior year, I had to reinvent myself, and again, I, I did find some, some friends, but then guess what? My parents, we, we moved back. Moved back to the same school district that I grew up in. So now senior year of high school, I'm, I'm back. But those two years being away, like everything changed. Everything changed. That, that good group of kids, they, they eventually, you know, they took off and went different directions. And like kids that I grew up with, kids that I thought would be my friends, they, again, they... They, they grew up in, in split different ways. And so senior year, I was then kind of scratching around, just trying to get by. You know, you have friends, but no close friends. So then we get to college, all right? College, I loved college in terms of the education part of it, but I really struggled with my social life. I had a hard time connecting with kids on, on campus. And I have some type of social anxiety and, and I have to work through that and process that. And you probably catch me. Like, sometimes I'm just like, 
like off in the corner, just trying to like work and process through that. You probably have noticed that. You know, I've been around here six years now. Sometimes it's like, wait, what's what's Cam thinking right now? You know, <laughs> like like that that is me. I recognize that. I recognize that I'm a hard person to read sometimes. But some of that is just like like I'm an introvert. I'm I'm trying to process on the fly. I'm I'm trying to not be an introvert and you know trying to deal with all of that. So, anyways, I I have social disorders of some sort that I am growing through and certainly have come out of my shell and all of that. But back in college, I just could not connect with other kids. Struggled, struggled, struggled. Finally, junior year of college, I have the best roommate ever. A godsend. We were buddies. And then it was like, this is what I thought college life would be all about. Like just hanging out, Going to the dining hall together, going, like bowling, ice skating, like we were, we were best buds. But that was his last year uh, at that school. He then had to move on to go to grad school. So guess what? Senior year of college, it's like a complete reset. Again, I'm alone. You know, I, I did have a roommate. I, I know, I, I knew his first name, but like we hardly talked at all. Just like it was, it was just like another barren situation. Okay. Now during this time on college campus, I I got a job uh, as an RA, a resident <coughs> assistant. And so, um, but but here's the thing: the building that I worked at, I lived in and worked at, it was like a ghost town most of the time. All right. And so, getting this job, I you know I got a little little bit of a paycheck for it. But I'm thinking, all right, an RA, like this might actually force me to be around people. But actually the opposite happened because so many of these RA shifts, Friday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday nights, like I had to stay back and basically babysit an empty building. Like it was so quiet. And when, when there was just no opportunity at all to nurture a social life. And I remember uh, one of these evenings, I, I think uh, it was like, it was like my shift ended at 8 p.m. I was finally off. I was finally free. And I absolutely had nobody. And after spending like my whole shift at this building, basically when I was off duty, I just sat on my bed. I still remember what I was wearing. Now, I'm pretty sure I cried a little bit. I'm like, I'm so alone. I have no friends. And I remember just crying out to God, like, why am I this way? Like, why am I this way? Why can't I make friends? Why is this so hard? And I think if, if, I, if God would have spoken up, I think he would have said something like this. Cameron, you're going to find this unbelievable. There's going to be this little sophomore girl named Jessica, and she's going to be so crazy about you, and she's not going to leave you alone, you know? And, and that's, that's the thing, is, like, an answer of prayer is, like, during this whole time, like, Jess was on campus, didn't really know her super well yet, but, like, that's going to be my wife someday. And so here I am crying out to God, like, Lord, please answer this prayer request, God was answering it. And eventually, Jess and I 
you know, we, we crossed paths and we're, we, we became more uh, <laughs> just, just like that. Like, yes, Jess was crazy about me and, you know, the rest is, is history. But this is how God responds to Habakkuk here. He says, actually, I have something big developing. Okay, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe. Even if you were told, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people. All right, so Habakkuk is calling out to God for help, and it turns out that God is answering his prayers, but God is going to answer in his own timing. God is going to answer in his own ways, and God certainly does work in unbelievable ways. But here's the tension. Habakkuk is, is looking for the peace now. He's, he's looking for the, the quick answer. Habakkuk is asking God to do something and when God does show up, it's not something that any of us are expecting. Okay, yes, Judah was messed up, but like the Babylonians are way worse. But, but is God really going to bring this severe discipline to Judah by raising up this evil empire of Babylon? And we have this, this tension in Scripture. Habakkuk gives us this more distant view of, of God. God is sovereign, he is working, and he is doing things in his own timing. But you know what? We also have an opportunity to look to Jesus today, to kind of get this close-up view of what God feels in situations of lament and sorrow. You know, shortly before Jesus died, he lamented over Jerusalem. He, he cried over it. Jesus predicted his death a number of times. We, we know that when we read the Gospels, but we also know that he predicted the destruction of the city of Jerusalem a few times as well, which that did happen 40 years later, about 40 years later. So, so Jesus, uh, here he is in, in Luke 19, 41 to 44, as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time. Of God's coming to you. Historically, yes, we know the, the Romans did this, AD 70. But here's, here's the thing this is what I want to focus on right now. God was in their midst, God's Messiah was right there. He walked the streets and they missed it. Jerusalem doesn't know this opportunity of peace. That they have before them. Now, way back in Luke's gospel account, Luke chapter 1, in the very beginning there, Zechariah, John the Baptist, said, he, he's praying prayers of national salvation. And he prays that, that God would guide their feet into the path of peace. That is, that is Zechariah's prayer in Luke chapter 1, verse 79. But now, now that we're in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is weeping. He's crying. 
Because the Messiah's peace is lost, at least for now. Because the city will reject the Messiah. Now, I'm, I turn to myself and I'm like, man, how many times have I missed Jesus throughout my day? How many times have I missed the peace of Jesus this week? A little bit later, Jesus expresses his sorrow for the city. His sorrow for the city. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. That's, that's an emphasis there. You who kill the prophets and stone those who... And stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's a lot more in that that we could unpack, but what I want to focus on today. Did you see Jesus' heart for the people? How often have I longed to gather your children, Jerusalem, like a hen who gathers her chicks under her wings? And you were not willing. If Jesus was the real deal, if Jesus actually was this Messiah, why couldn't he just set up shop and override the city's intentions? It's because Jesus does not force himself on anyone. And, and it's not about you have to accept God's love. You get to, and I really hope you, you want to. And this is, this is the invitation here, too, to have faith, to, to, to see this invitation that God has for us, to, to see God, to have this faith in this God who loves us and who wants to embrace us. So we have this city that's going to reject God's Son. But be utterly amazed, Jerusalem. Be utterly amazed, church, because God is going to do something that you would not believe. Jesus is the innocent victim who is going to absorb the violence and the sin and the injustice and the war crimes and just everything that is wrong in this world. He is going to suffer on the cross for the salvation of the world, you're not going to believe it. The crucified Messiah, he's willingly going to absorb all of this violence so that the world can be made right. And the fancy word is atonement. Jesus atones for the violence, the suffering, the abuse, the injustice, everything that happens in this world. And I have so many questions, and I don't have it all figured out, but ultimately, we can have faith in the God who atones. And what that radically means is that we can embrace wrongdoers because sin has been atoned for. Trying to preach that in Ukraine right now would be really hard. But we have this amazing gospel, this amazing dream come true reality of a Good Friday God who covers our sins. And that completely disrupts our natural inclination to do what we want to do when everything seems to be so wrong. Jesus says, don't, you don't have to follow your, your own path. You can follow me. Now back to Habakkuk, uh, Habakkuk there, chapter 2. God answers Habakkuk. 
And it's, it's a long answer from God, but he gives us this one little, this one-liner there, right? And it just, it actually packs so much meat. God says, the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. The righteous will live by their faith. Especially when everything just seems so wrong in this world, we're invited to trust God. We're invited, we're invited to, to have this faith in God. This invitation, it gives us a, a vision of faith. This invitation to trust in his good gospel. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he caught this Habakkuk vision here, this gospel vision. In the New Testament, Paul uses Habakkuk. He quotes him in Galatians chapter 3. The righteous will live by faith. In context, Paul is trying to make sense of a crucified Messiah. And essentially, Paul is saying, we're not under the law anymore. We're not under the Torah anymore. The righteous live by faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. This is good news. This is the gospel. And then in Romans chapter 1, Paul, he gets to articulate this so well. He is articulating his thoughts. In Romans chapter 1, he says, I am not ashamed of this gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then to the Gentile, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And so as we enter this season of Lent, as we contemplate what is going on in our own lives, what is going on in our world, our eyes in our hearts, our minds, we might want to drift to the negative. Okay, there, there's a gravity there. We'll keep wrestling with, with a ton of, of questions. Uh, we are people of peace, but when, does, when do you meet violence with violence to, to end the violence? You know, like we have questions. We, we have questions of how we should be thinking, what our posture should be like when the world is at war. But I encourage you, church, the baseline is, the bottom line is to keep your faith in Jesus. To ground yourself in the gospel and to do it daily. And what that means is to not put other things above Jesus. God is in control. God works in unbelievable ways. And God has proven this to me in my own life. In my own story, I have seen God show up and do amazing things. God has proven this to me in the Bible. God has proven this to me on the cross and the resurrection. Jesus did die to make things right. And while there's still so much wrong in this world, and not everything is made right yet, we live by faith, not by sight. And we are invited to trust. Let Jesus be your center. Let Jesus be your source, your ground. And so in light of Lent, or simply just in light of your Christian walk, the invitation today is for you to orient your life around Jesus. Again, let him be the center. There's a lot of distraction in this world. 
There's a lot of messiness in this world. So much that seems wrong, but ground your faith, ground your security in, in Jesus. He is a loyal friend. And let's not take that for granted. So ultimately, our, our call today is to, to maturity, to keep your eyes on the wind and not the waves. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who is your righteousness, and the righteous live by faith. And so I encourage you to live out your, your life of faith. These faith elements that you put into your, your own life to nurture your faith walk with Jesus. Pray in faith. Fast in faith. Read scripture in faith. Meditate in faith. Memorize scripture in faith. Journal in faith. Faithfully pursue relationship, relationships. Faithfully look for opportunities to engage with God as he is restoring and bringing redemption to our community. Faithfully give. Faithfully love. Forgive. Embrace others. Act. In this moment of history, what an opportunity to seek out our God. To cry out to Jesus. To put our faith in Him. Well, I don't have really any answers other than Jesus. But I think He's saying, have this faith, church. Watch and be utterly amazed. It's going to turn out okay. He gives us this promise He is making all things new. We set our eyes on Jesus and we have this hope. Let's pray.